Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. So let's just jump into the Word this morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 10 to 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 16. I want to remind everyone that we're looking at a book right now written by a man. We all know him as the Apostle Peter, not according to the legend that he'll be the one that's guarding the gates of heaven, letting people in and certain ones denied. That's not biblical. Here is a man that we want to just look at his life because he came from obscurity became a simple follower of Jesus. He responded to the call, and then he entered into his destiny of apostleship. And it's a journey for all of us. I'm not talking about getting from obscurity to fame, like St. Peter is famous, but I'm talking about coming from being, uh, just identifying yourself merely as a person who's walking the earth and coming into God's eternal plan and destiny for your life. So this is specifically written to a group of individuals who paid a great price to be a follower of Jesus. In the city of Jerusalem, we find out that they had been, there had been the stoning of Peter, I'm sorry, of Stephen, and everyone would think, wow, well, that was a really bad thing that happened, but they missed the very next phrase, And that is, after Stephen was stoned, it created a momentum and there was a great persecution that came against all the believers. So we find out that the persecution was so great, they were losing jobs, they were losing their livelihoods, they were losing security, they were losing their lives. So Peter writes a letter to all of them. Most of the church had suddenly been scattered. None of the apostles at this point had died. But they were Peter who was caring for the believers, particularly in Jerusalem, but as it was spreading through the Roman Empire, he's writing to these people who had paid a great price. Last week when we came together, we talked about the manifold trials that Peter talked about that can come into your life, the many folds that trouble can come into your life. So that if you picture the many folds, that's what manifold means, of grabbing a curtain and you go to... Uh, uh, spread the curtain across the curtain rod and then you see that in every fold there was another trial or another trouble. Sometimes that's how life can feel. And the Apostle Peter said, this is because God's priority for you is the perfecting of your faith, trying it like gold and fire. So that sometimes, isn't it hard for us to make the connection between how a trial can actually be Um, working a great wealth inside of us. We're tempted to believe that if we follow the Lord, everything will unfold as we think convenience is guaranteed to us or opportunity. But the Apostle Peter teaches us that God's top priority is our faith, and it is only perfected by heat being applied. And so that's so important for us to understand. Now he talks about something that is important for us in order to be able to survive any kind of um, persecution that could be poured out, any kind of trouble. And he says, keep focused on your salvation. And what he's going to teach us here in these next several verses, because this is what we want, right? We want to come from obscurity to being a follower of Christ, to coming into destiny. 
That's what we want. So we have to develop the mindset of the Apostle Peter. And he says one of the things that you need to do in this life is you always have to stay focused on the one thing you can never lose, and that's your salvation. And so as we look at this passage, let's just keep that in mind. Persecution, the more trouble comes, stay focused on your salvation. I personally believe that there is a global movement right now that is godless, and it's antichrist. And so as we look at this movement of what's happening on the earth today, we have to stay focused, not on convenience, Focus not on expectation of how this is all going to work out, but focused on who we are in Christ. And though we might could lose everything like these people did, the, most, the greatest treasure that we have can never be lost. So 1 Peter chapter 1, starting to read verse 10, as to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray the Lord's blessing on the word today. Father, I thank you that holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, the scriptures that have been given to us, and we yield ourselves. The word of God is the bread that we eat. And so, Father, I pray let your word have its effect. Let it nourish us. Let it convict us. Let it strengthen us, God. I pray the Holy Spirit would come to each one of our hearts. Help us to hear the word of the Lord. And by the word of the Lord, let us become more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're always welcome here. Have your way in the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. How amazing it is, this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. How valuable it is. I want us to think today for just a moment that no matter how much you grow, you will never grow past just the beauty of your salvation. I really appreciated the songs that Jerry led us in today, and it's about the beauty of the Lord. It's about the beauty of the salvation of God. And what he talks about here is, he says, I'm going to appeal to something, and it's beyond an emotional appeal to you. It's a, it's a matter of a historical proof that what has happened in you is worth focusing on and worth being the most important thing in your life. He talks about the prophets and the price that they paid in order to carry a message. He talks about the prophets, that they were believing for something, and they knew it was about a Messiah, the Christ it mentions there. But they asked this question, who is this person? 
And when is he going to come? We think about the prophets and the price that they paid in order to be able to pursue something that wouldn't actually end up benefiting them. Well, yes, in the long term it did, but they would never be able to embrace what they were prophesying about and how amazing it was and how glorious it is. And Peter makes an appeal to that. He's telling us that they came and what they paid a price for, they paid not to serve themselves, but they came to serve us. So put that into a context here. Peter's saying, you lost your homes. You lost your city. You lost your livelihood. You lost your support network. You lost your credibility. You lost your convenience. Some of you even watch family members lose their lives. But in the middle of all of that, I want you to remember something. That there were a group of people who paid a price so that you could have what you have, which is the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and they came to serve you. And so if we put our suffering into the context of being part of this great move of God, this amazing thing that God began long before us, that goes beyond your experiential knowledge of God, but even in a historical reality, is that there are people who it says in that verse right there, they, they made careful searches and inquiries. They lived to understand what we have, the salvation of the Lord. It says that, that word that actually that says that they made, they, they made careful inquiries, inquiries and they were looking into understanding. Believe it or not, that word in the Greek there has a negative connotation as well as a positive. Here it's used positively. They longed to know what we would have every single day of our lives. But on the negative side of that word, it actually means they lusted. That's the negative side of that word. They were driven passionately to know what we have. What... Who is this person that's coming, and when is he going to come? When you think about the price that they paid, they didn't have a lot to lay hold of. All they had was a prophetic ear to hear, but they were watching unfolding events. They knew that the story told us right after the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that there is going to come through the seed of a woman, one who would crush the head of the the tempter, Satan, the serpent, who was in the Garden of Eden. They also watched the fulfillment of the requirement that a lamb could be a substitution for a person's sins. And that if that person brought that lamb to the temple, the lamb could be sacrificed. So what did that tell them? First off, I'm a sinner. Secondly, I need a substitution because if something doesn't take my death, that I deserve because of my sins, I will die in my own sins. And then they observed that, wait a minute, when that lamb would shed its blood and the smoke of the altar would ascend up into heaven, it was an appeasement between me and God. But what does that tell me? Who is the person? Why do I have to come back every time I sin? 
Why do I have a, a guilt that accumulates over the course of time and I want to live for God and I bring another animal and sacrifice his blood? Why do once a year that the nation of Israel's guilt builds up so much that God says, well, once a year, you've got to bring that blood of the sacrifice and place it on the mercy seat. And then you begin to ask yourself this question, who is this one? Who will be the one who can finally Forgive us so deeply, so purely, so beautifully, so perfectly that God says they are justified forever. Who is this one? And when's it going to happen? When we think about the price that the prophets paid who never experienced the indwelling Holy Spirit that would come and live inside them once and for all? Do you realize that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the indwelling Holy Spirit came inside of you? And, and, and here, I, the, I'm not making excuses for our behavior, but no matter where you dragged him or no matter what you said, the promise of the Holy Spirit inside of you because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is that he will never leave you or forsake you. You look at the Psalms, and what were they saying? They were singing songs like this. Let not your Holy Spirit depart from me. The believer never has to pray that prayer. I carry him with me wherever I go. I can grieve him. I can quench him, but I can't make him leave because of the power of the blood of Christ in me. These apostles would have the Holy Spirit come upon them and they could hear the voice and the intentions of God through the prophetic gift and yet the abiding Holy Spirit inside of them. When we think about the fact that these men died without the indwelling Holy Spirit, the faith that their courage in the, middle, in the midst of adversity is astounding and they would ask us to let them be an example on our willingness that no matter what can be taken away from us, what is most precious to us, which is our salvation and our relationship with God through Jesus Christ can never be taken away. It reminds me of the prophet, a prophet who would have the Holy Spirit come upon him, and yet he wrote these words. His name was Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 16. He had heard prophetically that the nation of Israel was going to be attacked. He knew what it was like to be under siege during a time like that. And here's what he said. I heard. I heard the trouble that's coming to our nation. And my inner parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will attack us. Can you feel the emotion of what he's saying? He's saying like, I heard trouble's coming and an enemy's gonna attack our nation. And he says, I sit inside my place, my house, and I tremble. And you can feel the emotion of just saying, how do I stop this train wreck I can't. I heard from the Lord. I see what's coming. It makes me afraid. And the only thing I can do is sit in my house and wait for it to come. And then he says this, though. Listen to his conclusion. 
Even if the fig tree does not blossom, there's no fruit on the vines. If the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the field and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like deer's feet and has made me walk on my high places. Here's a man who just says, I'm watching the army come, and I can't stop it. But he says this, I have determined one thing inside of my heart. Even if they come in and they cut down all our fig trees and there's no figs, even if they trample our vineyards, what if they destroy and burn our olive trees? What if they take all of our sheep and there's no cattle left? He says this, Thoughts like that make me tremble inside of my house, but I've determined one thing, that the Lord God is my strength. And I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. I have set my determination on this. I will always rejoice that I am a man, or you could say I'm a woman who has determined that the voice and the presence of God in my life causes me to never waver. I will always trust in the Lord. He said, he, the Lord has made my feet like the feet of a deer who can leap upon the high places. In other words, I can go places where this world cannot go. My heart can leap and rejoice in God. I can be elevated above the troubles and the cares and the promise of this world and like a deer that leaps on the top of a mountain, unafraid of what's going on in the valley. That's what my God has given to me. And he's called me to walk in high places, not on earthly places, not in low places, not on fearful places, but I walk on high places. I have been elevated by the word of God, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the words of a prophet. This was of a man who only could look forward to the salvation of the Lord. And the Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter says, I want you to look at these kind of prophets and to realize the price they paid for the serving of you and I who could hear the gospel message and we could respond to it. We could be saved, forgiven, cleaned. We can be rid of shame, of guilt, of sorrow, we can come to Christ and be absolutely and completely forgiven. The prophets looked at that and they thought, what kind of God are we following? He's given us the law. He's told us that certain behaviors result in capital punishment, that it's deserved, and yet at the same time, they saw a God who was offering a way of salvation and for forgiveness. You got men like Moses who just killed a man, a murderer. And yet he longed for and lived for something that you and I can have. And he understood 
that the Bible has taught me, if I murder a man, I deserve to be murdered, and yet he understood also something else. But I can go on because there is the revelation that God is a forgiving God. You have Abraham who just ended up lying publicly and humiliated himself and his family, and yet he still lived for God because he understood something, that the just shall live by faith. He understood that even though God is a holy God with holy expectations, he's also a forgiving God. And that you could see in the writings of the prophets even God's love for the entire world. And so it says this concerning these prophets. As to this salvation, the forgiveness in you, that you and I have received, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. They long for the day of grace. That no matter where you've been, what you've done, no matter what your weaknesses or inabilities are, that God is, that the prophets waited for a day when God could show grace even to the worst sinner. To give them something they didn't deserve. I have received the grace of Jesus Christ. I have received something that I didn't deserve. They sought to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories to follow. So here he's just saying, we have two, there are two groups that we have to be able to relate to. First was the prophets, but secondly was the Holy Spirit that was giving the words to the prophets. What kind of words? Well, Isaiah chapter 53 describes one who would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It talks about one who by his stripes on his back, we were going to be healed. He would forgive our iniquities and our sins. King David prophetically wrote Psalm 22 where it described, there is one that is coming and in his hands and in his feet, he would bear the marks of the cross. That was before crucifixion was even created by the Romans. He saw the man, the man who would come and who would have the marks of his death in his hands and in his feet. They sought to know. They longed to know. This was brought to them by the Holy Spirit. The idea of the suffering Messiah and the glory, the glory that would come upon the people who would trust in Jesus Christ. It says to them, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things, which has now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Here's what we need to rejoice in today. Four persons, personages. First off, there's the prophets who believed and paid a price. Secondly, there's the Holy Spirit who spoke to them. So the prophets and the Holy Spirit are involved in what we have. But then the Holy Spirit touched another group, and it was those who taught us the Gospels, the story of Jesus, the apostles. Peter says, don't forget something. When you go through a hard time, remember what it was like for the prophets. Remember what it was like when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, came upon Jesus, Jesus paid a price for it, fell upon the church. Remember what the Holy Spirit did for the apostles and the price that the apostles paid. And then he says, I want you to remember a fourth group as well. 
And he says, that's a group of angels. He says, I want you to remember the angels when you go through a hard time. They, because they long to look at what you have. Man, when I go through a hard time and I might be grumbling and complaining against the Lord, when I'm going through maybe sometimes real legitimate suffering and loss, an angel who has never been touched by evil still looks at your life and says, I would give anything to be them. I'd give anything. Angels look at you and they just say, when the angels fell, God never became an angel to save them. But when men fell, he became a man, died on a cross, suffered for our sins, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Why didn't he do that for us? The angels, you know what they say when they look at you and me? They say, why them? Why them? Have you ever said that to yourself? Why me? Why me? That's, that's the whole beautiful question of salvation is this, is people coming and asking themselves the question, why me? And you realize there's only one explanation for it. It's the grace of God, the goodness of God Amen. that would save us. There are people in this world that God is calling, and he's just the people that are willing to ask themselves the question, why me? Why am I privileged to suffer for Christ? Why am I privileged to stand with the prophets? Why am I privileged to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Why am I privileged to walk the path of the apostles? Why am I privileged to have angels look at me and say, I'd give anything to be you. What a privilege and an honor. How inspiring is that for me to live for God, knowing what I'm a part of, knowing the beauty of it. Every time I determined that I will suffer well for Christ and face any trial and adversity and do it to the glory of God. I will not speak against my Lord. I will not speak against my fellow man. I will not uh, express my fears and my doubts. I will live for the Lord. And you say that to yourself because you understand historically what you're a part of. This really amazing thing. They saw the suffering Christ. Zechariah chapter 12 says, there's coming a day when the Jews will look upon the Messiah whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him like one mourns for an only child. They longed, they made careful searches and inquiries. The prophets would get up every morning to try to understand the salvation that you and I wake up in every day. And Peter says, you keep that salvation more precious and more valuable to you than anything else. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it says this. What more shall I say? Time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. He gives us amazing lists of the prophets who didn't have what we have. Tells of all the things that they did. Man, you talk about great things, calling down fire from heaven. It says that some of these prophets defeated entire armies by their faith. Some of them raised up an army of 300 and when defeat tens of thousands. It says that some of these prophets conquered nations. Some of these women received their dead children back because of their faith. What a heritage we have. How awesome is it? And sometimes it was, I, would, I would be the first one to say, if I had those guaranteed results, I might be a greater man of faith as well. But did he stop there? Does faith only show itself in conquering nations and calling down fire from heaven and conquering armies and getting dead people to raise up? Is that what faith is all about? No, he goes on to say this. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so they might obtain better resurrection. Some of them could have been obtained their release and avoided torture, torture if they had changed their confession. But they chose not to. And they said, I'd rather live for a better resurrection. He said that there were others who experienced mocking, flogging, chains, and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, people of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, on mountains, sheltering in caves and holes in the ground, and all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Isn't it amazing that when this great list of accomplishments of faith, you have almost twice as many adverse results of them refusing to compromise. Then you had the people, the list of great conquests and miracles. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the promise of the Lord is that in this world we will have persecution. But Jesus assured us that he has overcome the world. Here's what we need to know about faith. Faith doesn't mean that you always get what you wanted. 
But faith means that you and I have determined inside of our hearts that we belong to an amazing heritage of men and women. Uncompromising. Standing strong. Living according to what they believed and the Bible is careful enough to let us know about all their faults and flaws and how if it weren't for the grace of God, they would have never been able to serve the Lord. And yet, at the end of the day, God is just saying this is that they sought a different resurrection. They sought a different blessing. They sought a different life. They sought a different eternity. And they determined inside of their hearts that they would live for the Lord. And I would just want to challenge us in this day and age in which we live right now. I know that even I have never in my life seen a day where if you have a, a, a spiritual conviction that you can actually be mocked at the level you can be mocked right now. You could lose your job over it. There's all kinds of things that could happen. And the Lord would just say this to you and to me, that those who went before us, they, it says, they didn't receive what they hoped to receive. And yet when we have received the salvation of Jesus Christ, they'd say, if you have that, you have everything you need. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, since, which you, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Who's he talking about? The prophets. They're witnesses right now. Let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's what's important. Looking only at Jesus. The originator and perfection perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just want you to know today, let's remind ourselves, let's ponder on this, Let's remind ourselves who we follow. Who is our example? It's Jesus Christ himself. And in the same way that it describes the prophets, he didn't gain what he wanted to in this life, but he had to lay down his life in order to be able to gain the things that he longed for. In the same way for us, let's be men and women of strong faith, strong determination. Let's once again leave the results in the hands of God, but let you and I obey. I know that we live in a day right now where I hear people that just want to throw up their hands and they just want to say, well, the world was prophesied that it's going to hell in a handbasket. So let's just all hunker down. I believe that the reason why our country is in the trouble it's in right now is because of a church that hunkered down. We were asleep. We were quiet. So let's just quickly go back to our text and wrap this up. Because here's what it says after it says, the angels long to look into what we have. It says this, prepare your minds for action. 
Does it say prepare your minds to hunker down? No. Prepare your minds for actions. In other words, that we are never allowed to be a part of a faith that does not call us to action. To be involved, to be engaged. Stand for righteousness and for truth. Redemption. God's here to redeem, to change, to transform. To make cultures a place of blessing and of life. The Lord would say to us, prepare your mind to take action. And I'm telling you, there's preppers all over the internet. And what are they prepping for? To hunker down. And that's not the prepper that God would call the church to be. God would call us to walk out our faith, to be strong, to be be determined, to be unwavering. He says, keep sober in spirit. And in the Greek there, as well as in the English, sobriety can refer, refer to not being drunk. But it also just refers to just having a sobriety of mindset. In other words, not be under the influence of any other foreign substance. We're not to be under the influence of the fear of this world. I'm telling you, the entire world's being manipulated by fear. And the Lord would say, you need to stay sober. In other words, don't get under the influence of the spirit of fear. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't come under the influence of the lusts of this world. But stay, stay, stay sober in your in the spirit of God. What does the Bible say? Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep a sobriety of heart where your mind is controlled by the spirit of God, not by any substance, not by any philosophy, not by any idea, not by any fear, not by any manipulation. He says, prepare for action, be sober in spirit, Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, stand and believe in what's going to be revealed when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, you believers that were kicked out of Jerusalem and lost all convenience, you stay focused on what will be revealed at the throne of Jesus Christ. Jesus promised you, anything you did in secret will be revealed openly. Have you paid a price for what you believe in? You hold on to the hope of what will be revealed in the day of Jesus Christ. People don't understand why you take the position you do. Well, you hold on to the hope that in the end, truth will be revealed. Truth will be revealed. I don't care what they say about you. I don't care with how they lie about you. I don't care what they do to you. In the end, the truth is going to be revealed. Here's what we live for. We live with the understanding that no one is getting away with anything. We think they are. But in the end, God will make all the crooked places straight. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. 
he says to them, do you remember the earlier part? The prophets lusted to know the salvation that they couldn't even receive. So Peter just says to these believers, you know what? You've gone through a hard time. And you would think that people have been through a hard time wouldn't have to be addressed on this. But sometimes the temptation is, I paid this price over here, therefore I'm going to be reckless over here. And the apostle Peter is just saying, no, remember who you follow. Jesus didn't say, because I'm willing to die on a cross, I can dip into the offerings once in a while because of the price I'm paying. He's not that kind of savior. The prophets weren't those kind of prophets, and the apostles weren't those kind of apostles. So he calls us back, and finally he says this, but like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Peter, couldn't you just lower the bar a little bit? Be as holy as the one who called me? When I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, legally, before God, I was declared holy. I received the righteousness of Christ. But there's not just my position of holiness, the Lord would also remind us in a day like today, the day in which we live, that we cannot give ourselves over to the priorities, the lusts, the things that the world lives for. You've got to live for God. And he's saying this, be holy in all your behavior. What does holy mean? It means set apart. It means whole. It's linked to the word whole. It's linked to the word happy. It's linked to the word health. Holy. Be complete. Don't be lacking in anything. Live for God like Jesus lived for God. He lived for the Father. He's calling you and I to live for him. And the scripture says to be holy like he is holy. So today, I want to encourage all of us. I want to encourage myself today to remember the privilege that I have to carry the Holy Spirit. The privilege of having enough revelation to know that I should be asking myself the question, why me? And that the answer is because of the grace of God. So the grace of God be with all of you. I just want to say that to all of you today. The grace of God be with you. Stand up. Rise up. Be strong in the Lord today. Live without fear. Be courageous. Hope in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And be ready for anything. Right? Be ready for action. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord today. And I thank you, Father, for the awesome privilege to be in the world but not of this world. And I thank you for this body of believers, Lord God. I thank you, Father, they're here today, and some of them have been through tremendous trials. Some of them have been tested on every side. Some of them were at moments where they felt as though they were asking themselves the question, is my faith going to make it through this? And yet, Lord God, their faith remained strong because you were the author and the finisher of their faith. I just... Rejoice with everyone here today, Lord God, in our salvation. 
Thank you that the thing most precious to us, the world cannot take away. We just love you so much. I pray, Lord God, now if there's anyone here and they've never met Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God, you want to take them from obscurity and humanity. You want to bring them into a follower of Jesus Christ, and then you want to release them into destiny, an eternal destiny. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come to every heart right now, that you would draw the hearts of people to the Father. The word of the Lord says that we, we're like sheep. We wander away from God. But the Holy Spirit draws us. We love you because you first loved us. I pray let every person in this room right now, Lord, let them know that Jesus loves them. Let's all stand up this morning. I'm going to close in prayer. You know, if you come into this building, nothing will change by power of the building. If you listen to my preaching, nothing will change by the power of my preaching. You have to personally come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. As we're here today, I want you to know that if you come to Jesus and just confess to him that you've sinned, you've been a sinner, but that you believe, you believe that God is a gracious God and he wishes to forgive you today. The blood of Christ is powerful enough to remove all the shame, all the guilt, all the stains of sin, all the results of our actions, that God will begin a great work of grace in us. And if you say to me, Pastor Jim, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to become a child of God today. If you want to be included in a closing prayer, not by name, but this church is going to pray together if you want to give your life to Christ and you're just saying, I'm including myself in that prayer, giving my heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand, just saying, I want to be included in this closing prayer. And then if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come here to the front of the church. And it's, you don't have to say anything or do anything. But the Lord Jesus said this, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the angels and the Father. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So if you want Jesus as your Savior today, you want to give your heart to the Lord, would you just lift up your hand in this quiet moment, just saying today, today I want to know that I know I'm right with God. You could be raised in church, but that doesn't make you a child of God. You have to come to him yourself. If you're here and you have that tug on your heart, would you respond to the Lord today? He's so good. Father, I want to thank you, O oh Lord, for the, the presence of the Lord here today. I want to thank you, Lord, and I ask that as everyone here leaves here today, that they would leave carrying the presence of God. I pray, Lord, they'd be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I pray, Father, that a boldness of the Holy Spirit and a confidence before God of your grace and your favor in their lives would cause them to be strong in every decision, in every word that comes out of their mouth. I pray, Lord, they be led by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, fall upon the people of this church. Grant a great revival to our hearts, O oh God. I pray your blessing over every home. 
I pray health and healing, joy and peace, the provision of God and the protection of the angels of the Lord surrounding you. Thank you, God, for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. There'll be folks here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, no matter what it is, bring it up here, man. Leave your cares in the hands of the Lord. Let him pray for you. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.